Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. This is Vision Day, and uh, we're going to be unpacking just some of the things that we really feel like God uh, has laid on our heart to accomplish as a church, and uh, I believe this is going to speak to you specifically uh, because we are the church. This is the church. If there's not, no us, there is no church. We are the church. This is a building. This is not the church. We uh, are the church. And uh, so every year on Vision Day, uh, we do our best to just uh, lean in to what God is speaking to us as a church and uh, to communicate that to you. And uh, there's some things I believe are going to really pull on your heart that's like, man, I, I really believe in that. The, bo- the Bible says that the church is a body and is made up of many members. So that means some things are going to just really resonate with you that don't resonate with someone else and someone's going to resonate with someone else that doesn't resonate with you and that's why we're the body and uh, so today uh, we're going to be sharing uh, some of those things we're going to go to Joshua chapter 14 and uh, if you're looking for a title we're going to talk just for a couple minutes about from promise to possession from promise to possession how many ever got a word from somebody or encouragement something man God's going to use your life maybe you were young God's going to use your life mightily and and it's a good promise I'm going to tell you this but it's not supposed to stop there promises are supposed to come into possession if a promise never comes into possession possession is just a teaser Right? It's just like a, it's the proverbial carrot in front of your, your nose to try to move you. Like, i got to follow God because of this promise. i got to follow God. But there is no possession. I'm going to tell you this. God wants you to take possession of the things that he's given to you. He wants you to take hold of, grasp onto the things that God, uh, that he has put uh, in your heart. Joshua chapter 14, verse 7. Anybody love the word of God? This is Caleb saying, I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I love this. I've been saying this all day. If I could have one thing said of me, that would be incredible that I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. If we had one thing as a church that would be said of us, that would be incredible, that we followed the Lord our God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, now, some of y'all have been feeling old, and, and, and you think you have an excuse, but it's like Caleb is 85. He's been holding on to the promise of God for 40 years. We have a hard time believing God for 40 days. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, it's been 40 seconds, Lord, and I've been believing you. I guess he's not real. Like, Caleb had a level of faith that we don't even know about. He, he said for 40 years, and listen to this. He says, now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for these 45 years. Verse 11, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. Another version says, give me this mountain. I love that. Give me this mountain that the Lord promised me, promised me that day. You yourself heard that when the Anakites were there, it's a type of giant, and the cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. 
Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Turn to somebody next to you and just say inheritance. Inheritance. How good would it feel to find out you got a long lost uncle that passed and he left you an inheritance? I'm, no, no, I'm not talking like a couple thousand dollars. I'm talking like an inheritance. I'm like a, talking like an island in the Bahamas. It's like, hey, just so you know. That happens, just let me know. We'll start a campus there. That'll be our broadcast location. I'll move there. I'll broadcast here live for free. It's no problem. And, uh, but it, wouldn't that be incredible to, to, to find out about an inheritance that you didn't even know? Now, now here's the thing about an inheritance. An inheritance isn't much to you if you can't claim it. If I can't get my hands on it, it's not worth much to me. If I promised you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you, I'm, I'm gonna make you the executor of my will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my estate to you. It doesn't mean much if you never get it. There has to be some point that it moves from promise. To possession, I, I found this, I was, I was looking this week about even inheritance and how they work and how you claim. Do you know there's actual businesses devoted to helping you claim your inheritance? You think it'd be easy, right? Somebody dies, they want to give their money to somebody, it's easy. But it's not. All kinds of legal uh, ropes to jump through, all these hoops to jump through. It's, it's, it's difficult. So they have the entire business is saying, like, we got to make sure that what was promised actually comes into your possession. I'm going to tell you this, spiritually, we have a whole generation of people in churches that have been promised things from God, and that's what keeps them coming back. I got a promise. I got a promise. I got a word. I, but if the promise is never possessed, if it's never taken into, if it's never brought into your reality, what is it for? I'm going to tell you this, the reason God gives you promises are for you to take possession of them. The reason that God gives you words, encouragement, gives you vision, is because he wants you to accomplish something. Caleb and Joshua, I love the story of Caleb and Joshua. Caleb is one of my favorite people in the Bible. His name, Caleb, actually means a different spirit. I love that. He's, he's not just like one of the guys. He's different. He's set apart. He, he's got something special. In, in, in Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel are moving towards the promised land. If you remember this, the Bible talks about the Israelites leaving Egypt, and they're moving through the wilderness to the promised land, and this is God's promise to them. He's promised them to give them, bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they were jazzed about that. I don't know if they know something about milk and honey, I don't know. But like, you'd have to use some different... Some di you'd have to be flowing with some different things for me to like kind of just get me moving. It'd be like, Brazilian steakhouse is abundant, like done. Where's the giants? I'll fight them. I'm, I'm here. Sign me up. But, but for them, you know, it's like it was, it was special. They're really milk and honey guys. And, and, and so they're in the wilderness. Now, they haven't got to the promised land. God just promised it to them. And this is what he said. He says, I am going to give you. Now, this is tricky. I don't know if you ever read your Bible and got confused before. I have. Maybe you're too spiritual for that. That's all right. But like, I've read my Bible sometimes. I'm like, wait a second. Because God says, hey guys, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then they have to walk through the wilderness and fight enemies and giants and everybody else is trying to kill them. Now hold on. I thought he gave it to them. I thought, I thought he, like that's a bad gift. It's like, you're trying to give me $100? Like, hey, I want to give you $100. I'm like, thank you. And you're like, you're going to have to work for the next 14 years. You're going to have to beat up three bullies. You're going to have to jump through. Like, whoa, that's not gift. That's like, I just worked for that. Like, I earned that. 
This is what God said to the people of Israel. He says, hey, I'm giving you the land. Here's my promise. I got a land for you flowing with milk and honey, but you're going to have to possess it, which means you got some battles to fight. When Caleb and Joshua went into the promised land, they went in the first time as spies. Moses sent out 12 spies to go into Canaan and to spy out the land. And they were not supposed to see if God could win or not. They were supposed to evaluate, they were supposed to evaluate the land and just see if it was good. But when they went into the land, 10 of the 12 spies said, the cities are too fortified, the giants are too big, we can't do this. So they came back to Moses and Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit. They said, we can do it. God said it, we believe it, we can do it. But the 10 said, no, 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 we can't. And the Bible says that fear spread throughout 3 million Israelites. The fear spread throughout the camp. Can I tell you something about fear? Fear is contagious. If you get fear a small part in your life, it'll begin to take over. Fear is contagious. Unbelief is a plague. Unbelief will spread. Ten guys come out, and it spreads to three million people. Two men that had faith. They couldn't convince the people that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So the Bible says they wandered for another 40 years. This is the 40 years we're talking about. Caleb now, when he was 40, had a promise from God that God would give him an inheritance. The Bible says this, that the ten spies that did not believe God were given nothing. There was no inheritance. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, that believed God, the people that had faith, God assigned to them an inheritance. I'm going to tell you this. An inheritance isn't like a lottery draw. An inheritance is assigned to a specific person. And you have to be, if you're the executor of that will, you have to meet that certain requirement in order to get your hands on the inheritance. They're not just giving it to anybody. So Joshua and Caleb were both assigned an inheritance. They, they, they were given something. God gives the promise as an inheritance, but it is our job to possess it. It is our job. We, we got to do the work to now bring the promise into our reality. The ten faithless spies measured the giants against their own strength. But Joshua and Caleb measured the giants against God's strength. Now this is really important when you're talking about vision for your own life. is because if you think about what you can do with your strength and your ability. And you put that against the giants you're going to face. You're going to chicken out. That's why you have to know whatever God's asking you to do is God asking you to do it. And if God's asking you to do it, you can trust that you don't have to fight. The Bible says unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. So if God's building this thing, he's also fighting those giants. So Joshua and Caleb said, I can believe because God said he would do this. And he said he'd give it to me, which means he guarantees that I'm going to win. So I can step in faith believing that God is going to win this battle. The doubters made the people fear, but Caleb and Joshua believed. And because they believed, they were assigned an inheritance. Now, I love this. I got to give you this, this scripture, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, it's the message translation, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. I want to tell you this, we want you to be blessed. Our heart for you as a church is that you would be blessed, that our church would be blessed. But you know how you do it? You have to attend to what he reveals, which means, another translation says this, without vision, the people perish. With, without a revelation 
of what God is doing, without understanding how God is moving and what he wants to do, people will perish, or according to the message translation, they stumble all over themselves. Vision is the faith to see from promise to possession. That's what vision is the ability to see. There's the promise, but I can see it to possession. Caleb is 40 years old. He believes God. 45 years. This Bible says he's still as strong at 85. Some of you are feeling like the be- your best days are behind you. Your best days are not behind you. I don't think one day Caleb was sitting there in the wilderness thinking like, man, I remember when I was 40. Whew, I was bad, bad to the bone. Out of 3 million people, Moses calls 12 spies and he called me. Caleb, come on up, man with a different spirit. Go spy out the land of milk and honey. Taste it and see it. God is good. Like, I don't think he spent one day thinking back. You know why? Because God hadn't done what he said he was going to do yet. Faith doesn't have an expiration date. Only you do. Faith says, I'm going to believe until it happens. We say, I'm going to believe for 40 years. It doesn't happen. It must not have been God. No, it was God. You just have to have the faith to continue to believe past your comfort level, past what is evident, past what is obvious, because faith is the evidence of things not seen, not the, 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 the invisible, the, the evidence of things hoped for. This, this, this is something you can't see. So what happens when you see a giant? that you can see, and you have to believe in something that you can't. See, we always lean on our natural resources to dictate what God wants to do in our natural lives. But God is supernatural, and he wants to release a supernatural faith to see things that you cannot see, even in the midst of giants that you can see. Verse 10, it says, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Let me just tell you this. Caleb figured out how to stay young. Some of y'all trying like all this crazy stuff to stay young. You know, you got like secret potions at your house that you're rubbing on your face and trying to get rid of the wrinkles and you're drinking special water and selling oils and all that kind of stuff. It's all good. It's all good. Um, But I'm going to tell you this. Caleb figured it out because at 40, he's like a warrior. At 85, he says about himself, he goes, I'm stronger now. He says, hey, yo, Joshua, how you doing? I ain't got my mountain yet. I'm still strong. I'm still ready to go to battle. In fact, I'm stronger today than I was then. I am more vigorous. I'm going to ask you a question. Would you be more full of faith after 40 years than you were in the beginning when God gave you the word? That's what I know. I thought I'd get quiet in here. It did. It did. <laughs> Just a little thought. Because that hits us. 45 years, believe in God. 45 years not backing down, 45 years not wavering, 45 years. At the end of 45 years, he says, y'all going to give me that mountain yet? I'm still as vigorous today as I, let let me just tell you a couple things that vision does for you. I'll tell you what happens with no vision. With no vision, you're weak, you're tired, and you're distracted. Whenever I hear people say one of those three, three, three things, pastor, I feel weak, I feel tired, I feel distracted, it is almost always, almost every single time, a lack of vision. Because where people have vision, it keeps you strong, it keeps you energized, and it keeps you focused. People that have vision, that's, that, that is motivation to get up tomorrow. 
People that have vision, that's motivation to stay in shape. People that have vision, that's motivation to keep your finances right. People that have vision, that's motivation to live right. People that have vision, that keeps you from temptation. That keeps you from compromise. People that have vision, it keeps you running after what God. If you can see what God wants to do, if you have a picture of what God wants to do with your life, it will motivate you in the process between the promise and the possession. Vision is important. Every every, every single uh, year, we start out the year, we talk about 10 risks that we believe God's asking us to take. These are initiatives or projects that we believe God has asked us to take in that next calendar year to move us towards the overarching vision of what God's doing in, in this church. We believe that God's given us an inheritance. You know how you get an inheritance? According to this scripture, faith. So we believe God. When, God, when, we, when, we, when we hear God say he wants to shake the Metroplex with a move of God like we've never seen before, we believe that. And when we believe that, we are assigned an inheritance. We're given something. That now a promise has to be brought to possession. So, so every year when we talk about vision, we, we line out some of, these, some of these risks. And we're going to do that today as we look into 2019. And some of those risks, some of them are small. Some of them are so massive that the only way for them to be accomplished is by a miracle. And I'm going to tell you, that's where we need to be. That's where we desire to live at, is the place of faith that says, God, if you don't come through, this isn't happening. This is so big that we're like, I don't know. Sometimes after vision day, people come up to me and they say, so pastor, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, that's the vision. That's what's the problem. Now we got to bring it into possession. So in 2017, we started out with 10 risks. And by the grace of God, we were able to accomplish all of those risks. We accomplished, I think, all of those risks by September of that year. Last year, 2018, we had 10 risks. By the grace of God, we were able to accomplish every single one of those risks. They've been on a wall outside, if you've seen them. We've accomplished every single one of those. In 2019, it's going to be no different. We have 10 risks that we believe by the grace of God, by the miracle working power of God, that we're going to be able to begin these things, start these initiatives, so that we can move towards possessing the overarching vision or inheritance that God's given us. Let me give you a couple of these. One of these, and if you don't know this, we have an academy that's here uh, at the church and that we're building, adding grades. You have kindergarten and first grade. Next year, we're adding second grade. Now, this is, this is cool. Is we're going to continue to increase it, but we're, we're going to make, our goal with the academy is that we would have a place where students are formed educationally and also spiritually. Most Christian schools, you have one or the other. They're great educationally, or they're great spiritually, but usually not both together. Our aim is to live in the tension of the both, to to mesh them together, that our students would know God, they would encounter him, experience him, but they would also be advanced in their education so they can make a difference wherever they go in the world. We are going to introduce, and, and, and this is, you've already heard some of this already, we're introducing the start of seasons. Usually you talk about semesters and all this, but we're gonna split up our calendar year into three seasons. First season, second season, third season. Every season is going to have events. Every season is going to have training. Every season is going to have certain elements that will be uh, specific to that season. Every season will have groups that will launch. So for some of you, you're like, man, when I last time I volunteered as a church, like I just led for the last 35 years. We don't do that because we don't want you to burn out. So just choose a season. That season's up. If you need a break, take a break. 
Like, we want you to last. We want you to have community. That. So, so every season, we'll have new merch, a new look, new, new goals that we'll accomplish in that season. One of those things is we're going to start season revival nights. How, how many were at church conference? I love that. Every season we'll have a revival night where we invite the community, we will run after Jesus, we'll have prophetic worship, extended times of worship, prayer, we're going to bring speakers in, lay hands on people, it's going to be incredible, just go after God together, bring a snack, because it'd be, you know, it's like, it's one of those, it's not like this, you know, like, you know, I'm going to be out on time, it's, it's, it's one of those that might go a little while. We start season heart and souls which is, this is for the core of our church, the leadership of our church. We have an incredible internship here, and people always ask, specifically adults, always ask, like, how do I get that high level of training? How do I get some of that leadership training that the interns get? Every season, we're going to have one of these heart and soul nights where we're going to go in-depth teaching. This would be one of those times you bring a snack again, okay? And, and, and we're going to just take some time together, and we're going to try our best to impart into you principles, keys to help you run after the assignment that God has for your life. In our internship, if you don't know this, every Tuesday and Thursday, they have prayer in this auditorium here in Allen, and uh, from 7.30 to 9, they seek God, and uh, they are some of the most precious, incredible prayer times. And we have our worship leaders rotate and come through here. It's incredible. Prophetic worship. And so we're going to start recording that. And we're going to make that available digitally so you can log in anywhere in the world and be a part of that prayer time. Or you could watch it later on your own time. Anytime you're spending time with Jesus or to anybody you want to send it to anywhere in the world, they can log in and be a part of an uninterrupted time. Not just like 10 songs, but an uninterrupted time of worship and ministry that they'll be able to log into. We are going to launch 1132 Creative. This is really cool because we've been seeing a rise of people that are very creative with all kinds of gifts and talents. And so we're, we're forming an umbrella for 1132 Creative. And one of the first publications we're putting out is my wife, Jamie, is actually starting a, a podcast that is going to be... Um, that we'll be putting out to resource people. It's going to be behind the scenes, backstage of the inner workings of church life and ministry, as well as just tackling specific topics, getting people interviewing, getting through the, the, the mud with them and figuring out how they got through what they got through. Another way to just resource you in your journey with the Lord. We're going to launch, and you already know this, we're launching our Prosper Campus in two months. It's exciting. People say, how many campuses are you all going to have? And this is, this is the answer, as many as there are needed. That, that, there's not a number. Like if we could get to 15 camp, no, it's not a number. It's just wherever there's a need, we're going to be. So with that, we're not just going to launch Prosper, but this year uh, we're also going to launch a campus, form a launch team uh, for a campus in the Dallas area. Uh, we're looking at Bishop Arts right now. We're praying right now for a building. So if you own a building, go ahead and just like grab me after service. I'd be interested to talk, uh, but for real, um, we, we, we need a space. We believe God, God's been, had Dallas on our heart for a long time. We believe it's time to just take a step of faith there, so we're going to form the launch team, start the planning committee as we start moving towards uh, that, and uh, this goes right along with that. It's pretty exciting, and uh, these, these last ones are just so big that it has to be God. There's, there's just no way. I had a pastor friend that said, you, you can't launch two campuses in one year. That's too much. I'm like, yeah, well, it would be too much for me, but we feel like we have a word. 
And we feel like we got to be obedient to what God's doing. And we're not going to just let a promise sit and watch it and frame it and make a trophy about it. we got to take possession of it. So we're going to do it. So not only are we going to uh, launch a, form a launch team for the Dallas campus, but we're going to begin the planning process for the launch of a Dallas Dream Center. Now, if you don't know what a Dream Center is... We send trips every year, multiple trips to LA Dream Center. They are the, one of the best ministries in the world as far as helping people uh, get off of drugs, out of addiction, off the streets, feeding the homeless. Uh, I mean, just incredible ministries. 80% of their staff are people that got freed from some type of addiction or off some type of, some type of bad lifestyle and now are working, helping set other people free. So we're gonna begin the planning process for starting our own Dallas Dream Center. I, this, is our, this is our dream. Our dream is that short-term mission teams would come in from all over the world to serve in our Dream Center. That you would have an opportunity to reach out and to go down to Dallas and serve every, in, in, whenever you want, go serve in the ministries that are happening there. And not just feed people. We wanna help restore people. We want to get people saved, get people healed. We want, to ju- we want to help them change their entire life. And so, so we're beginning the process. We've already looked at a couple buildings. And so, so this is why I say it's big. It's like, okay, so what does this mean? Like we're starting a soup kitchen. That'll be part of it. But like this is, we need a footprint in Dallas. We've already, I, I'm just going to tell you, th- th- just to show you kind of how, where we're at here. Both buildings we've looked at have been over three and a half million dollars. So it's like, <laughs> now that's the other time it gets quiet in here. Like, oh, yeah, let's get that to... It's, that's more money than I have, but it's not more money than he has. I'm not, I'm not trying to super spiritualize it. I am just saying the place of faith is where we have to be that we're going to say, God, if it's going to happen, it's got to come through. Do you know that we have been promised some things? There's been some words that have been given that we would be given buildings, that people would donate buildings. to. So I am not... I'm not too crazy, or maybe I am crazy enough to believe that what God promised can also be taken into possession. So we are just planning. We're preparing. We're getting ready. And you know what? Somebody said, well, Dustin, one of my pastor friends, he said, if someone gave you $5 million right now, what would you do it? What would you do with it? I said, I would go downtown Dallas. I would buy a building. Within three months, we'd have the largest, most effective ministry in the streets of a major city, rescuing people and sending them free that you've ever seen. He's like, really? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, only, the only limiter on time to what the vision is, is resource. But God has resources. God has resources. There's people that have resources that God's bringing, that are here, that God's bringing to our, to our church. And so, listen, we don't have to worry about specifically how. We just have to be obedient. Do you think Caleb knew how it was going to all happen? When they said, See, I don't know if you know this or not, but when Caleb was asking for that mountain, it happened to be one of the greatest mountains in the area, and it was known for the greatest giants. So he didn't go for the easiest land. He actually went for the hardest land. Which, which, I'm going to tell you this. The greatest promises always have the biggest giants. The, the greatest promises always have the greatest opposition. So, so you got you to be ready. If you're going to do something great for God, People say, man, I don't know where we got this, like, this Christianity that was like, man, like, if you serve Jesus, everything's going to be great. It's like, that, that's not my experience. It's like, I got saved and it got worse. I, mean, I started going after God and things got hard. 
Because the enemy doesn't like, listen, the enemy has no problem with you having a promise. What does a promise do to him? Nothing. He has a problem with you taking possession. And possession is activated by your faith. That's why these for us are risks that we're ready to take. The last one is another, it's another huge one, but we've seen exponential growth. Uh, we are just so above average in any church growth that's happening really in the nation outside of just a couple different churches, and it is incredible to see that happening. And so we are uh, in Wiley. They're about to go to two, two services and in uh, Prosper. We're looking at a huge launch team there. It's going to be incredible what God does here. We can't add too many services here. I mean, we could, but it's like, you got to eat sometime, and you know it's like it's, it's intense all day, and 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 so we've just been thinking specifically on Easter, you know, thousands of people, and um, so we have decided, and uh, we already have reserved that in 2020, not this Easter, but next Easter, uh, we're not going to be at the PAC. That's going to be too small. We're going to be at the Allen Event Center. We've got a reserve. We're going to fill up the stadium, 7,500 seats. And so we're going to pull all our campuses together. And so I'm going to tell you, what I'm saying today, this is not the vision in the next 20 years. These are the steps we're taking in the next year to move us into what God has for us in the next 20 years. Okay, so this is not just to pump you up and be like, someday we're going to fill a stadium. No, no, next, next year, 2020. 2020, we'll fill it. Your neighbors, your friends are going to meet Jesus. There's going to be a tipping point in our city. There's going to be exposure and influence. People are going to recognize that this is not just a club. This is not just where people come and get together, but this is a possession house. This is a place that we don't just follow promises, but we got promises that mean that God's product, the provision is on the way. We're going to take possession. The, the difficult thing is that this requires something. This is the catcher, right? This is, the, this is it. You're like, oh, I was waiting for this. This, this, this is it. This is, uh, this is the kicker. This is going to require something. It's going to require faith. We've already talked about this, but it's going to require great faith. It's going to require faith, not just faith in a moment, because right now faith is soaring. We're all like, yeah, let's do it. But it might be March of 2020, and we might be like, ah, 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 how are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? But faith that we're needing, that's going to be required for us to see this, is a faith that lasts. A faith that doesn't give up. A faith that doesn't give in. A faith that doesn't bow down. We're going to have big giants in the land. Because the bigger the promise, the bigger the giant. So we're going to have opposition. We have to already know that. We're not going to be surprised. When there's opposition, when there's codes, city codes, or things that don't work out the way that we want, we're not going to be surprised. There's going to be giants in the land, but we're going to have a faith that lasts. Our faith determines what God leaves us. This is what, this is what Caleb experienced. Is his faith determined the inheritance that he got? Because he believed God, God said, I'm leaving you something. If you believe God, God will leave you something. This is going to require faith. It's going to require Fight. Fight. So, oh man, well, yeah, I'm not quite a fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. My, my goodness. No, this is going to require a fight. This, this isn't playing patty cake with the devil. This is not just like may, barely making it. This is a fight. Why, did, why do you think Paul said, fight the good fight of faith? Because he knew that to do something great for the kingdom of God, it was going to require fight. It's going to require some element of stubbornness. It's going to require a spirit like Caleb that says, yeah, I'm 85 now. And I'm stronger now than I was then. Joshua, you ready? I'm ready. We good? Let's do this thing. 
It's going to require hundreds and thousands of people that are across our body that are saying, hey, pastor, we ready? Just tell me when. Tell me what you need. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm here. I'm ready to give my time. I'm ready to give my ability. I'm ready to give some money. I'm ready, I'm getting ready to get behind this. I'm ready to fight. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. This is going to require risk. Uh, Pastor, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of a safe guy. No, you have to take a risk at some point. This is what we say all the time. It says, what looks like a risk to us looks like obedience to God, which means this. Like, to us, it's like, oh, my gosh, a dream center. That's a huge risk. And God's saying, would you please obey? Because it's not a risk to him. It's only a risk to us. So we say 10 risks, but that's just for us. It's not a risk to God. It wasn't a risk to God when he told Caleb. He's like, Caleb, here's your inheritance. I hope you get it. It wasn't a risk to him at all. He's just like, yeah, here you go. It's going to be a while. Hope you can make it. You're getting old? No, no, you're 80 now? Caleb, you keep your strength up. It's coming around. It's, 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 it's risk. It's risk. The, the last thing that's so important, and this is where everybody comes in, is, is it requires responsibility. Like personal responsibility. See, see, some of you are like in here and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Go, Pastor D. You do that. No, no, no. Hold on. This is us. It's going to require us. Well, I don't know how I can use my skills. There's a place. I don't know how God can use. No, no. There is a place. for. My dad used to say this. There's a place for everything and everything in his place. And I believe this for the church. There's a place for everyone and everyone in their place. I believe that. I believe that. It's going to take great responsibility. It's going to take great sacrifice. It's going to take us taking it on ourselves and say, yep, we don't want just something for us. We, still want, we want what we have for other people as well. Well, it's not comfortable to have another campus. It's not about what's comfortable. It's what's needed. I don't like downtown. It's traffic. Stop. It's not about what's comfortable. Give your money. You can stay in Allen. It's fine. We'll send other people that are ready to go. I mean, you choose where you want to go, what you want to do. Some of you are like, oh, he's talking about money. Yeah, we talk about money here. That's like the way the vision goes forward. It's like, it's, it's, really, it's really weird when pastors are like, I don't like talking about money. It's just because they're scared that if they talk about money, people with money will leave. That's not the case. People with money actually would like to give to something that is bigger than them. It's actually the opposite. And the enemy has scared people into thinking like, oh, I can't, I, can't talk, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Because there's people that don't have money that always are like, why are you talking about money? It's never the people with money. Have you ever heard somebody with actual money be like, why are they always after money? They're always talking about money. Never. It's only people that don't have it. Didn't mean to say all that, but just did. <laughs> that happens. Third service. Wait to the fourth. Let me say this. When God gives us an opportunity, it's his gift to us. What we do with that opportunity is our gift to him. It's, that's my worship is what I do with the opportunity he gave me. That's my worship is what I do with the inheritance that he gave us. That's, what, that's how we honor him. Is he gives us a promise and we say we're not stopping at promise, God. We're going to possess it. And when we possess it, we're going to honor you with it. That's, that's what possession looks like. Can I give you one more thing real fast? It, it, it'd be fast, I promise. Something like, I'm not sure. It, it, in, in my house, um, 
it's, it, it works really well when everybody follows my rules. I'm just going to say this. I don't lose my keys. Some of y'all have a problem. You lose your keys everywhere. I'm going to tell you why. Okay? You don't understand the way I live my life with my keys. We have a bowl in my house. It's the key bowl. The only place you put keys in my house, key bowl. That's it. So whenever I need my keys, I don't, oh my gosh, where's, I just go to the key bowl and it's there. I just, some of y'all have to pay for this. Okay, like, like I just solved a lot of your marriage problems right now. Like right there. But I will tell you, I'll, I'll be a little more transparent. It, it hasn't always worked. Because Jamie, she doesn't love the key bowl. So as long as everything's in the key bowl, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. But if the keys aren't in that key bowl, I don't even know where to look. Because the only place I would ever put them is there. If it's not there, it's over. So this happens in our house every once in a while. I'm like, no, where's my keys? Jamie, Jamie. She's like, what? She's like, can you just look around? Because she's a master at finding her keys because she never puts them in the same spot. So she can be like, like, keys. It's like, how did you do that? But, but, but I'm different. I just like, I got, my, I, got my, I got my spot where the keys go. Can anybody relate with this? It's like, it's so easy. If everybody lived the way I did, then life would just be so simple. I'm being sarcastic. Don't email me. I want to tell you something. So cool. Is that God has given us keys. For every problem in our world, God has given the church a key. Can I show it to you? Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 16, there's a conversation, I love this conversation, between Jesus and Simon Peter. Jesus asked Simon Peter, say, who do people say that I am? Simon Peter says, well, some people say you're Elijah, some people say, he's like, no, 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 who do you say that I am? And the moment Simon identified Jesus. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the most high God. You are the Messiah. As soon as he identified him as what he was, then Jesus identified him. Watch this. He says, you are Jesus. And he says, and you are Peter. Okay. (laughs) Try that again. You're Jesus. You're Peter. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. The Bible says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And most of us stop right there. We're like, yeah, Peter got a name change. It's awesome. But I'm going to tell you this process. When you put your faith in him, he puts his assignment in you. Now watch the next verse. The next verse, verse 19, says, I will give you the keys. Oh, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's saying, as soon as Peter had faith, Jesus gave him an inheritance. And he didn't just give him an inheritance. He said, now I'm going to give you the keys to unlock it. I'm going to give you the keys to, you have an inheritance. I don't know. No, you've been grafted into God's family. You're part of his family. You're the executor of his will. And now God has given you keys to unlock it. How are we going to reach Dallas? 
Not by our own strength, not by our own effort, but God's given us keys. How are you going to have a good marriage? Not by your own effort, not by your own strength, God's giving you keys. How are you going to raise your kids? Not by your own effort, not by your own, God has given you keys. How are we going to raise this money? Not by our own effort, not by our own will, but God has given us keys. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is time for us to move from promise to possession. And God didn't leave us high and dry. God said, I'm going to give you everything you need to take the mountain that I've given you. I've given you the inheritance, and I've also given you the keys. The keys. The keys. You may have came, and this might be like some of your first time in the church, and you're like, wow, you're super intense, bro. And I get in, you're like, I don't even like, like this church. That's cool. Let me tell you something. God loves you and has a plan for your life. And you look at your current situation and you look at that promise and you're like, there's no way. And you're right. There's no way in your own strength. But also, God's loved you so much that when you put your faith in him, he gives you not only the assignment, but he gives you keys. How are we going to unlock our government? God's given us keys. How are we going to unlock the education system? God's given us keys. How are we going to set up a dream center in that? God's given us keys. It's based on our faith. Faith in him. He gives us the assignment. It's faith. He gives us the assignment. It's our inheritance. Then he gives us keys. And I want you to know this. God's got a plan for you. Whether you never come back to this church ever again, I want you to know God sees you and he loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And he wants to give you keys. Whatever situation you think is daunting or too big that you can't get around or you can't get through, God's giving you keys so you can unlock it. I don't know if I'll ever be free. I'm starting a new series next week on, on how we see ourselves in vision. If some of you have never seen yourself as free. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, God wants to give you keys to unlock freedom contentment, happiness, joy. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.